Hello and welcome back to episode seven, I think, of mm-hmm. eight. It's eight. It's eight. <laughs> eight. Oh my goodness. Eight of pursuing the cornerstone. Uh, we took a week off last week. Just Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Robert is pretty fired up about what we're, we're going to be fired up. And I think it should be good, but it was good to get extra time to prepare and just meditate on everything that we're going to be talking about. But before we really dive into that, um, I actually had break this weekend, so I had time to read something other than textbooks. And you were alone. I was alone. Didn't at- come to Easter. Mom cried. She did. I did cry. That did happen. I mocked her. Yeah. I felt bad afterwards, but it was funny at the time. She also left her shoes at my house. She and I totally left her shoes. about that than she was about. <laughs> I think she did it on purpose, though, because I think the point was she was going to turn around and come get him right away. Yeah, now she has to come back and see Baby Nation. <laughs> well, she'll do that anyway. So, but I anyway, was sorry. This book by Francis Chan, um, it's called Letters to the Churches. Um, and one thing that I have been talking a lot about with other people is the idea of surrender and how much I really, really struggle with that concept and really understanding what that even looks like. Because I've always struggled with anxiety and the idea of having anxiety is to me is that I don't trust God well enough. And so while I say I'm surrendering my life, if I'm still having anxiety, I think that's maybe a little too much proof to me that my faith isn't where it should be. And that's my own personal view on that. Um, So I was really struggling with what does that even mean to surrender? And I came across this part of Francis Chan's book and it said, um, he was talking about when he hires staff, he tells them he'd much rather have a staff member who does nothing besides pray than have a staff member who never prays. Because as he says, prayer is not merely a task of ministry. It is a gauge that exposes our heart's condition and unveils our pride, shows us whether or not we believe we are powerless apart from God. When we pray is an expression of surrender to God and reliance on his infinite wisdom and sovereignty. Even Jesus himself would not take matters into his own hands when his disciple Peter was being attacked by Satan. And I think that to me just really cut cuts my heart because I don't know what it means to surrender, but I do know that my prayer life is not where it should be. And when I read that whole idea of it shows that I'm not relying on God I was like, yeah, that's really true. I can read my Bible all day long, but I'm still missing the point of that. God is someone that I can communicate with. And he is someone who, when I talk, he listens and he responds. And I was I was missing that and I'm still missing that. I'm not great at it. But that to me just was super powerful. The idea of you have to rely on God. And one way to do that is through what does your prayer life look like? And are you able to swallow your own pride in order to surrender everything to God? Yeah, Robert, you have a point. <laughs> I keep raising my hand. So I'm reading the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. I've read it like three times in the past month. So it, I don't know if you know this. Acts 12, Peter was arrested. Okay. And he was, he was, see, they seized him. This is verse four. When he had, when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him. So he was locked up with a bunch of soldiers. Like they were right there with them. And in verse five, it says, so Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. And then what happened? Behold, in verse seven, and behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and a light shone in the cell and he struck Peter's side and woke him up saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. Yeah. The church was praying. Um, just, this is kind of not what we're talking about today, but because you started, it made me think there's a verse, it's James five sixteen, And it says the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So just like, just like Elijah, who prayed for rain. He had to pray three or four times, but then With God, the people? he brought the rain. So <laughs> he brought the rain. 
that's like the facing the Giants thing where it's like, are you preparing for rain? You know what I'm talking about? And then he changes his whole philosophy on football and then they start winning. Good I, movie. If you haven't watched it. I think my 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 takeaway from that and what even you guys are saying that's super encouraging to me is don't miss the importance of prayer. Yes, scripture is super important, but don't make prayer a checklist and don't make reading your scripture a checklist, but make prayer an intimate conversation between you and your heavenly father. You can so do it I, anywhere. Yeah. You don't have In to go car, driving. I mean, like it can be a constant conversation with God just, and he knows what we need before we even ask, which is mind blowing too. But it's making that attempt to seek him out. That is truly powerful. Yeah. So as we transition now, that was Abigail's, that was Abigail's little soapbox sermon. We soapbox a couple of those. Of, man, the Lord is convicting me. In that <laughs> yeah. um, you want but, me to take it over now? Yeah, I want you to take it from now. This is Robert's This is Robert's idea, so watch out, y'all, because his sermon oh. is coming. No, it's not. No, it's not. This is going to be a discussion. Be a discussion. So I do my best thinking in the shower. I don't know if anyone else ever has that, but that's literally when this popped in my head. So we're going to talk about Matthew 4, the temptation of Jesus. So this is right. Well, this is Cecilia's point, but this is right after he was baptized. So Jesus was baptized. One of my coolest, the coolest things I think in the Bible where it says descending as a dove, the spirit descended as a dove from heaven, which is really cool. I really need to see his face and his little movements that he's doing. (laughs) (laughs) Interrupting you guys. I keep raising my hand. So that way people don't get me. Okay, keep going. So anyways, so Jesus, so we're talking about embracing the suck which is a military term that I did some little research and it said it was coined, coined by POWs. So if you haven't heard the term, essentially a simple definition is the situation is bad, but you just deal with it. So it's essentially just like living in the awfulness that you're in and making the best out of it. So this is kind of, it's a really big military term uh, that you see it on t-shirts. People get it tattooed on them. It's a big deal. So anyways, embracing the suck. So, um, the most, the craziest experience I've ever seen with this is I did an 18 mile ruck with this one of my best friends. Um, he's like, he didn't ready to go to ranger school, but for the last three miles, he was bleeding completely through his boots and there was a blood trail and they had to cut his socks off. And despite that awful pain and his feet just completely bleeding, he finished. So he embraced the suck. So now in Matthew four, how did Jesus embrace the suck? Okay. Abigail, how did, how did Jesus embrace the suck in Matthew four? Well, in Matthew 4, we see that um, he's being led through the wilderness by the spirit to be tempted by the devil. Um, And he has to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. And yet the way he's embracing this is he's holding on to the hope of scripture. And when temptation came, he was like, hold up. Let me tell you what scripture actually says. So this is Jesus like literally. Okay, I can't even wrap my mind around 40 days without food. I like food a lot. Cecilia likes food a lot. Abigail, do you like food? Sometimes. Okay, I just love how this reads to me. I love how this reads to me. In verse two, it says, "And after he had for- after he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he then became hungry." So forty days and forty nights, and this is, and then he became hungry, which is wild to me. So, anyways, he was hungry. He was alone in the wilderness, and then the devil comes. Well, so that. Go ahead, say. I was just gonna say there had to be some divine help there because I. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Can't go. But still, like, can you imagine like basically being alone with your own thoughts, being hungry, and being in the wilderness all alone? If that's if that's not the suck, I don't know what is. And then the devil comes. So talk about embracing the suck. Well, he hasn't really embraced the suck yet. This is just the suck. That's the suck right there. Those things. Well, <laughs> I was gonna say too, like. 
he does it even worse, you know, come the crucifixion, which we'll get to. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, don't ruin my point, Cecilia. Don't ruin my point. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm just, I'm just, he's done it multiple times, but this is definitely one time because. So he to- is, this is not a good time, but he embraces it. And what way does he do that, Abigail? So let's, you want me to read the different temptations and then you get kind of like explain them. Go ahead. So um, in verse four. And no, in verse three, it says, and the tempter came, the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones become bread. So you want to expand on that? Well, it's just, you know, Jesus was obviously hungry because, (laughs) well, but we think that, you know, and it's hard for us to wrap our brain around. And we've talked about this a little bit before, but Jesus was fully human. Whether we can wrap our brain around how he was human and God, he was fully human. And so if you can even think about, so like I fasted before for like a day, it was so hard and I was so hungry and that was just one day and Jesus did that 39 more days than I did. And I mean, I can imagine this was a big temptation for him. Like I haven't eaten, I'm starving, like I'm literally wasting away. Like I want this bread and yeah, I mean, it just would have been tough. Because this is lust of the body, right? So this is like what he would want lust to satisfy life, yeah. himself, essentially. Correct? Mm-hmm. So, and we experience that same lust, but in other ways. It would, you know, it'd be pleasing to the body type stuff. Yes. Like it so, would fill his belly. Sexual desires, things like that, like things we want, lust, like things we lust for to satisfy ourselves, which won't actually satisfy us. Mm-hmm. So the next temptation is... When the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So basically the devil's like, let's, let's test God here. Let's, let's see what happens if you, if you throw yourself down, let's see if something will save you. So this is, what was this? Would you call this the pride of life? Is that what that's called, Cecilia? Probably, yeah. So it's like, let's let's see how far we can push these boundaries here. Let's see you jump off this and, and see what happens. And then the next one is he said, and again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the, of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Which I think have- this is so funny because the devil is telling Jesus, who is God, that he can give him all this stuff, even though Jesus basically already has it in the first place, and it's not the devil's to give. Like, Satan's good at what he does, guys, because this is a good example of that. Because A master deceiver. Lots of people that have fallen for this. In the, in the well, you just think about the world today. Like, you probably every, almost a ton of people would be like, okay, so let's say someone said, came to you and said, you worship me, you will have every city in America will be under your control. Well, They'll be the most powerful human in the world. Let's think of it like this. A politician says, you vote for mm-hmm. me, you're going to get all these things in return, your city's going to be made better, you're going to become wealthier, you're going to pay less in taxes, all these things. They're promising you things that they're never going to deliver on, and yet we fall so closely in line with them instead of falling in line with Jesus that we're like, Okay, God can promise me eternal life, but I'm going to forgo that and I'm going to hold on to the thoughts and the the sayings of a, a sinful politician who says I can promise you these things that I can guarantee you will never be Because it's not even really theirs to give, like Cecilia was pointing out. Um, what's that? So you know what I'm talking about in John um, when Jesus is getting tried and, it's, and they ask him um, 
where it's like, um, it's not actually. I know you. what it is. Pilot. So are you talking about when he's yes. the pilot? And yes, 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 yes. Pilot is like asking him all this stuff. And Jesus is like, you would have no authority if I hadn't given it to you, basically. Or if Exa- you yeah. didn't give it yes, to you. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was going for. So anyway, this is like, this is like the lust of the world, like lust of, of. Um, it looks good. Yeah, it's like, it's lust of the eye. So it's like, you see it, you want it, you go get it. And this is the same way the devil tempts us every day. I mean, just think about your own life, how you're tempted. It either has something to do with the pride of life, like the lust of the body, or the lust of the eye. So we're tempted the same way as Jesus was, which is mind-blowing. But then now we've got to look about how did Jesus embrace the suck? So how did he overcome this temptation? Abigail, you were, you kind of hinted on it. Do you want to you want to run with it here? Yeah, well, I think we kind of talked about this last podcast. But what we see is that you know, Satan is using scripture against Jesus, which I think is another thing we could com- probably go completely on a whole nother side tangent of but, <laughs> like there. Tr- the truth is scripture, but Satan is really good at taking scripture and twisting it to where it takes you further away from who God really is and from following him. And so we see that that's what Satan is trying to do to Jesus. And we're warned about that. The whole um, false prophets in Matthew, we're warned that there are going to be people who are proclaiming the gospel and it's not the truth. And that's another thing we have to be careful of. But we see that that's what the devil's trying to do to Jesus. But Jesus says, hold on, hold on. Yes, scripture says this, but let me put it in context for you. And let me tell you another scripture that actually says this. And well, I think that's, yeah, go ahead, Celia. Well, I was just going to say, I, I just encourage people like, Anytime that you're taking the the teachings of a man or what a man's saying and you're not digging into scripture yourself, like I just encourage people to go and read it themselves. And it is important, like Abigail was saying, like not just like taking one scripture and saying like, oh, that's the truth. But you need to make sure you understand scripture in context as a whole and like what was going on, because it's really easy to pull things out and make them say what you want when it may or may not actually mean that. <laughs> the Bible does not contradict itself. Yeah. And. So we see that that's what the devil is trying to do to Jesus. But Jesus says, hold on, I've hidden this word in my heart. I know what my father says. So let me just rebuttal that. And he's able to remain strong in the faith and the steadfast hope of God because he knows what scripture says. And so no matter how much Satan tries to twist that, Jesus already knows what the truth and the answer is. Well, and I think even a good another good example in the Bible, because again, Jesus is God too, right? And I don't know what kind of role that played in this, but. If you read the book of Job, I think that's a great example of. of Holy cow, what a man, what a guy. Who And God allowed Satan to tempt Job. And I think God allows Satan to tempt us. That's a lot of like where free will comes in. Like we can choose to follow God or we can choose to follow Satan. But Job had everything taken from him. His kids died. He was sick. All of his animals were gone. Like everything was taken from him. And his wife even at one point encouraged him, you know, curse God and die, just be done with it, you know, but he persevered and he survived and he never cursed God. He did question God, which is interesting. <laughs> like <laughs> gird up your loins. I'm going to answer you. Like you better watch out. But like, I just think, and then Job was, he ended up being blessed because he, he, you know, was faithful and in, in those, through those temptations. So, um, this kind of goes along with this, Robert, to kind of pull in another verse, but Hebrews seven, um, or Hebrews five, seven through nine says in the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications 
with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. So we see that Jesus, he had to suffer these things. And he wasn't necessarily like the most joyful about it. Like he was willing, it goes back to that whole idea of prayer. It sucked. It sucked, didn't it? Yeah, it sucked. And it goes back to that whole idea of prayer where he wasn't afraid to call out to his father. And I would encourage you to be the same way. Like if you're going through trials, don't be afraid to call out to your father. And we even see him do that in Matthew 27, where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me while he's on the cross? So Mm -hmm. while he's, yes, he's embracing the suck. But you like you can call out to God. God will hear those cries. And we see that example from Jesus in multiple places. But it's through his obedience of the things he suffered that we were be able to be made perfect. Like because of his suffering, we are able to suffer with him in order to reach eternal life. You know what's encouraging? Yeah, go ahead. Hebrews 4.15. I thought this is where you were going to go. Too. Okay, <laughs> this is encouraging. This is encouraging. This is good news for us. So it says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, mm-hmm. but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. And it says, holy cow, guys, how encouraging is that, that we know that Jesus himself suffered in the same ways we do every single day. Yeah. So let's go ahead and read the next verse. Verse 16 says, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So when we're going through those times of need as well, that's when we should be drawing near with confidence, knowing that God is going to answer us because Jesus suffered these things to be our perfect savior. Because if Jesus hadn't gone through those things, then the cross, it doesn't mean much to us, you know? So here's what we know. Yeah. We have these encouraging things that Jesus suffered just like we did, but here's what we do know. Temptation is coming. Mm-hmm. Um. You got something to say? Yeah, First Corinthians ten thirteen. I think. No, don't read that yet. Just kidding. Go ahead. Yet. I think this fits well here. No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. He gives us a way out, so we know it's coming. We know the suck is coming, but as Cecilia just read. He gives us a way out. Sorry, which is so cool. I, you know, that's something you can't even really like wrap your mind around the fact that like he lets it happen, but he doesn't do it to the point where we cannot handle it. And it may feel like we can't handle it too. Like it may feel unbearable, and it may feel hard, and it may feel like something we can't handle. But there, there is that promise there, right? Like you can handle it, no matter how hard it seems. Like you can handle it, and you can rise above it, and you can do better. Especially yeah. when you have the Holy Spirit. So here's here's my point I wanted to make before that. But um, so we know it's coming. So and 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 we always talk about the sower, the parable of the sower. So in Matthew, um, thirteen twenty two, so, um, it says, and the one who one whom seed was sown among the thorns. This is the man who hears the word and the word of the world and the deceitfulness of the wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So we know it's coming. So we hear the word, which is another cool point about Matthew four is that this was immediately after Jesus was baptized and he received the spirit that this happened. Yeah. So you, you can't tell me when you're young in the faith that the devil's not coming after you because he's like, here's an, here's some fresh meat. You know, cool. always kind of like, you know, like when you're a senior in high school and there's a freshman that comes in and you're like, 
oh yeah, I'm head honcho. That's what the Satan does to us when we come we're new to the faith. It's like, hey, like you might not be strong yet, so I'm coming after you. Yeah. Go ahead, Abby. Well, and so Cecilia and I had a lot of conversations about this um, early on on uh, my sophomore year here at Taylor because I was so dedicated to following God, and yet that's when everything came crashing down. And Cecilia was really encouraging in that of she's like, look at Job, look at all these other people. Like they were following Jesus to a T, and that's when the devil was like, all right, I'm coming after you. Like the devil seeks out those who are following God. And if you're truly following God, then you're going to do these things because that's when the devil comes after you because he doesn't want you to do that. Because if you're not being tempted, once you do and you start spreading that to everyone else, there is hope for the rest of this world and no one would be lost. And the devil does not want that. If you're not tempted, there's something wrong. Like if you're content with your life and you're completely satisfied, which I mean, we should be satisfied because we have this gift of the eternal life. We have this inheritance, but it's going to be hard. That's what the point is. Like there is going to be suck. And it's embracing that suck through Jesus that will help, like help you survive and the spirit like you'll grow. Which brings me to Matthew twenty six, verse forty um, one. This is very powerful. Cecilia mentioned this earlier about relying on the Spirit. So it says, "Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation." And the Spirit, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yeah. Go ahead, say. Well, I mean, I think that is important, like because we are human, right, and we're sinful, but. A point I wanted to make with this is like, if you are growing in Christ, it's fine to struggle with sin. We all struggle with sin, but you shouldn't be struggling with the same sin that you were struggling with when you first became a Christian. Like those same sins should not be coming up in your life. One other thing, I'll let you go, Robert. Um, So Adam and I were talking about how, you know, you have the Holy Spirit, which obviously we have the promise of it at baptism. But he told me that one of our professors at school said that if you write down a sin that you've been struggling with, like on a note card. And then you give it a week. If you're not improving in that sin, then that might be a good indication that you don't actually have the Holy Spirit. So that's just a test for you. I have never heard that before. That was very wise and something that could be very helpful to people. So I don't know, just something to think. That might be one of the coolest things I've ever heard in my life. Anyways, uh, I was just going to point out, what's that scripture where it talks about the dog returning to its vomit? I don't know. I'll have to look it up. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? That's just what reminded me of that. We don't have to go into that. That's another thing. Absolutely. So, can I, can I say something about the scripture real fast? Robert, go ahead. Um, you, well, we talked. We started off talking about praying. Yeah. And I want to highlight just the first couple words here. It says, "Keep watching and praying." What did I say? What did I say, Abigail? Praying. Praying that you may not enter into temptation, which relates it back to praying and how important that is. Go ahead, Abigail. Well, I was just thinking. So, when we were kids, and um, we had that really gross carpeted bathroom in the house at Patrick'sburg. Upstairs or downstairs? Upstairs. The downstairs wasn't carpeted. Oh, the door that wouldn't shut. The door that wouldn't shut. Cecilia always had this verse. I don't even know if you remember this. It's like you always had Second Corinthians um, 4, 8, I believe, um, on the mirror in there. And it says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And I don't know that I ever really comprehended that verse, but now that I'm thinking about it as we're talking about this, that verse doesn't say that you're going to be 
um, cushioned on every side. Uh, no, it says you're going to be crushed or yeah. It talks about all these negative things that could happen to you. Um, but it always says like, you will be pressed on every side. So there's going to be trials, but you won't be crushed. So like it will never be reached the point to where you can't handle it, but it's not going to be easy either. And that whole idea of that death is always at working you, but life is also at working you. So I don't know. The contrast there, I think, is super important because a lot of times, a lot of times people think that if they commit their life to Christ, then everything's better. But in unicorns and rainbows, baby. in reality, if you commit your life to Christ, you are probably going to struggle more, but you will always have the hope of Jesus and the death. The big picture, baby. Jesus is coming back and he's he's raising me from the dead. I got a Come on in, boys. The water is fine. I got a couple things here and then Robert if you have something else. Um so Oh, I have a lot of stuff. I can, I can go all night. I am we're starting so my, my my Monday night Bible study, we're starting a new study and we're doing Not a Fan by Kyle Kyle Eidelman and I sat down this week and watched all like of the small group videos with it and its big theme is like which Abigail will have a story to tell about this, I'm sure. But yeah. it's like Luke 9.23, like um, you have to die daily and pick up your cross and follow Jesus, right? And just the idea of like in order to truly follow, like, in order to get life, you have to die, right? And through like if you think about a fan of like a sports team, like they're fanatics and they think they're doing like either you're following this team or whatever. And I just think there's a lot of time that we think we're following Jesus but we're not actually following jesus oh shoot a really good study and just made me think about the idea of of surrender but more importantly like even connecting all of that together when you guys were talking about prayer and how that helps us with temptation it made me think of john 15 so this is the vine and the branches and the idea that like Mm, mm, i just read that yesterday that's crazy as as christians we have to stay connected like we have to stay connected to the vine through prayer through growing through fellowshipping with other Christians, or we're not going to make it. We're going to be cut off. And you say, yeah, we have to abide in Christ and we have to be connected to the father. And if we're not doing those things, then we're not going to grow and we're not going to, you know, be able to overcome the things that Satan's throwing at us. Yeah. So a little story about that study that I was talking about, I was just telling her about this actually, but I was pretty young when my parents were doing that study And I actually remember going home and I thought for sure I was condemned to hell because I thought I was a fan. And I actually remember like writing in journals about how Lord helped me be a follower and not a fan. And I was pretty young when I'm writing these things. But sometimes I guess recently all these stories have been coming out about how I used to take super seriously the idea that I actually was going to hell if I didn't die with Jesus. Like I, I told you guys how I like one point I thought I actually had to be crucified on a cross. Um, and then there's this where I literally thought that I was doing absolutely everything wrong. But sometimes I look back at that and I'm like, my faith was so strong and I wanted to follow Jesus so badly. Like that is a childlike faith that we are called to now. And so I would encourage you, like, don't get caught up on all those details but like take literally the idea that you need to pick up your cross and you need to be willing to die daily for Jesus. Okay. Let's 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 listen to this point here. So we've been talking about temptation. Are you standing Why up? Are you standing up? <laughs> uh my computer was gonna die no, and my charger's on the other I thought side you were just getting real fired up about what you were about to say. Oh yeah. No, I had to get up and plug in my computer because I didn't want, you know, to die. 
So anyways, I'm setting up now, guys. You can't see me, but I'm on my feet for Jesus. Anyways, James 1, 2. Let me pick it up so I can see it. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Ooh, trials, like temptation? Okay. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Here's verse 4. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So we have to embrace the suck of temptation to produce this endurance, and then this endurance has its perfect result. So we embrace the suck through Jesus to get this endurance, which then has its perfect result, and we grow because of these trials. So you say that, and that reminds me of Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Um, and it says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. You guys are just jumping ahead. I have all this stuff written down, I, too. This so is lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know what the big part of that verse that I like, I think is awesome, is the where it says, "Fix your eyes on Jesus." Yeah. The author and perfecter of your I faith. Like, we must fix our eyes on Jesus. I love the idea of that last part of the verse where it says, "For consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you." will not grow weary and lose heart. So while we're going through those temptations and those trials, like we keep talking about and, you know, we keep saying embracing the suck, but a lot of this is like looking towards that end goal. Like you can always remember that you're not, you shouldn't grow weary and lose heart because Jesus has already conquered death and he has conquered the cross. Yes, Robert, you are pumping your fist. Let's hear it. James one twelve. This is literally perfect. Blessed is a man who perseveres. We just talked about perseverance. Oh my goodness. Under trial, for once he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The crown of life, if we persevere, if we endure, we receive this ultimate inheritance where we cannot die. Preach it, brother. Preach it. Come on in, boys. The water is fine. If you guys don't know, that quote is from, uh, oh, brother, where art thou? And my dad and brother, for some reason, are obsessed with it. Go ahead, say it. Um, well, we just came off of when the world recognizes resurrection week, right? And we as Christians should be celebrating the resurrection every week. But I think that's part of it. Like if we truly believe that Jesus rose from the dead, just think about that for a minute. If you truly believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then your life every day should be so filled with joy of that and urgency to share that with people that regardless of what happens, whether it's, I don't know. Just look at Paul. Like your life should be so changed because of that fact. Like, and every day is a good day because of the resurrection for us. And I think sometimes we forget that. Like we come around to Easter and it's like, oh, Jesus rose from the dead. But like that changed everything. And we should remember that as we go about our week. I think something I've always struggled with is understanding that Jesus died on the cross for me, like for Abigail, Jesus. Make it personal. Yeah, make it personal. I listened to a podcast about that. Jesus died for your sins. Make it personal. Yeah. Well, is that that the end of that point? Well, I was going to jump to something else now because this is what keeps. Oh, can I, can I talk about something that kind of fits? So you talked about the transformative power of Jesus. So 
last night I had the opportunity through my small group. We went and did service um, at a church and we met this lady who um, was a dancer and a commercial sex worker, prostitute, whatever you want to say it for like 12 years. And now she's completely changed her life and her, she dedicates her life to helping women who are in the same situation she was to get out of that industry and get a real job and make money and point them to Jesus. And I, that just blows my mind that someone can that Jesus can transform some, transform someone's life like that. It's just it's just crazy. The power of the Holy Spirit is crazy to me. All right, carry on, Cecilia. Sorry. No, it's fine. I just so from personal experience, I think the devil sometimes tempts you in ways that you don't understand or uses things like even anxiety. But like so in my in my own walk, I really struggle with things when I fail or when I feel like I've let somebody down. And I can't, I don't let go of that. Well, like I have a lot of guilt, even if they've like forgiven me and stuff. Like I have a really hard time forgiving myself and I have a hard time sometimes understanding that God's grace covers that. Like I just, I, I'm very much a perfectionist sometimes and I'm very much a people pleaser. And I do think that the devil uses that a lot. Like maybe I don't struggle with some of the mainstream sins that other people do, but I definitely struggle with oh, I'm not good enough or, oh, I, you know, I did this wrong and I can't get over the fact that I did it wrong. Like, even though it's done and over with and I can't change it. And I do think it's important to recognize what grace means and to recognize how important that is for us because, you know, we still can be forgiven. And when you're baptized, all your sins prior and all your sins in the future are forgiven. But that doesn't mean that you can, you know, should we continue on? There's a verse, Romans. Should we continue on sinning? Is that Romans? Like Romans eight. Is that like, yeah. You can't. You can't keep sinning. Like just you can't. But you also can't get caught up in the fact that you failed because you're going to fail. But Jesus makes Romans six twenty three. So shall we then continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul's replies with a resounding, "God forbid that." <laughs> may it never be. Yeah. May it never be. So. As we've been discussing, we know that temptation is coming and there's going to be hard times in this walk. And, but the cool thing we keep talking about, which goes back to all the other podcasts is that we have hope. Like temptation is such a worldly thing. And here's something cool. That's really cool about Jesus. So John 16, 33, these, these things I've spoken to you so that in, so that in me, you have peace in the world, you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. <gasps> and here, let me make this point, and then you can talk, Abigail. So then you read in Galatians 2.20. This is really cool. Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So Jesus overcame the world. But once we commit to Jesus and follow the path of salvation, it's no longer us living. It's Jesus in us. You know what that means? That means we've overcome the world. Yeah. Holy St. Francis, like, holy cow. Like, that's amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have overcome the world through Jesus. So these temptations, it might be awful right now. It might suck. But we have this hope that Jesus overcame the world and we can live forever. I was just thinking the verse Philippians 3, 8 through 11 came to mind. Um, and it says, mm-hmm. indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the things. I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ and the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, 
becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So here's the thing. We know we have overcome the world through Jesus. We know temptation is coming. We know it's not going to be easy. But we have read scripture after scripture today about perseverance and how if you persevere, you receive the crown of life. Holy cow. Awesome. But here's the thing. We not only need to embrace this suck and realize we have this ultimate goal, we also need to rejoice in the suck. So for Christians, I, I this is a phrase you guys need to take to heart here. If you if In Philippians 4, Paul's in prison. I love Philippians 4. He's literally in prison. I mean, I've, I've heard something about, I listened to a sermon on Philippians 4, and it said like he might have been up to his waist in human waste or something. Like it was just awful living conditions. You know, we can't really relate to that today, but he was in, he was in prison. So in Philippians 4, Verse four, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So despite no matter how hard this life gets, we still have this hope that we have overcome the world through Jesus. So we should rejoice in the fact that we have that gift. So we need to rejoice in the suck that comes and continue to point Jesus through that point, like point people to Jesus. I mean, like you might be tempted like crazy, but we know we have an escape. We know we can rely on the spirit. We know we have the word that can refute the devil. So we need to rejoice in the fact that we have Jesus and we can, we can endure that suck. One, one other thing, like, I think that's practical in this is like, there's some tough sins out there that people struggle with and there's some tough temptations. And I think a really good way to help yourself through those things, um, like just something specifically coming to mind is like sexual sin is like to get an accountability partner who you say, you know, like if I, if I look at porn or whatever, like I'm going to tell you and you're going to take this away, like almost like a a punishment. Like you're going to get something taken away. But if you have that partner to, you know, hold you accountable to, I'm not going to do this anymore. You're more apt to, you know, actually follow through and, and you ready for this, Cecilia. That's funny. You made that point. You ready for this? Galatians six, one brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass who you, who are spiritual restore such one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. So we, as Christians, we have the responsibility of not only, we have the responsibility of helping others around us. I mean, we're called to be servants. Jesus washed people's feet. And it's not cool unless you form relationships with other people. So we are called to help each other through these temptations, help each other rejoice in the suck, no matter what. Abigail, are you standing up now too? My, my computer was also dying. <laughs> Holy cow, people. We're up and moving in this podcast. So here's my challenge. These are things to keep in mind. Jesus suffered the same temptation we do. He suffered the same type of temptation we suffer every day. He, he did it without sin. Jesus, well, one, temptation is coming. So we have to learn that the suck is coming and we have to learn to rejoice in that suck. Jesus has overcome the world. So we have we just have to keep our mind on that picture and we've got to help each other through this temptation, help people stay strong on the path because this is literally life or death. I think the question here is, so we've said it, the suck is coming. So the question is, how are you going to respond? Are you going to respond by disconnecting yourself from the vine? Or are you going to respond by helping yourself grow closer to that through scripture? And rejoice in the suck. And with a with a heart of joy that you're having to go through this so that the kingdom of God can flourish. Um, so I think that the real question is here, there's going to be suck, but what are you going to do about it? How are you going to allow God to work through you in that? So, so this week and for the rest of your life, Instead of seeing t-shirts that say embrace the suck, I think we should make t-shirts that say rejoice in the suck. We need to get on that, guys. We really need to start selling some merchandise. That's what we need to do. Anyways, rejoice in the suck. We get t-shirts that say that. Get that tattooed on your arm. 
because we know it's coming, but we have the hope of Jesus. So let's just rejoice. So you want to pray? Yep. Let's do it. Dear Jesus, thank you for the example that you set for us, for showing us that it's possible to stand up under temptation, God, and that it's even possible to live a perfect life, even though none of us will achieve that, God. And just thank you for coming to earth to to make life for us possible, God. And I pray that you help each of us this week as we face different temptations, that you will help us to stand up underneath it, that you will help us to stay connected to you and to the vine, and that you will help us surround ourselves with people who can help us in our Christian walks and through our temptations and the things that we struggle with. Thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Robert? Pursue the cornerstone and also let the cornerstone pursue you because it goes both ways. We'll see you next time. See you next time. <laughs>